Hi there. As I've already mentioned in my intro, this is episode 24, September 12th, a year later. First of all, I'd like to talk just a little, tell you just a little bit of a story. We are in week two, or this last weekend was week two of a series about Joseph in the Old Testament at church. So if you aren't familiar with his story, he's one of the greats in the history of the Bible in the Old Testament, but his story began with a huge amount of adversity and upheaval. So he was, he was one of only two sons born later in life to his dad's first choice of wives. Now, think about that. Truly a love story that is kind of on the top list of tragic love stories. He had a total of, ten, of 11 brothers, one being the last one that uh, his mother had, and she died in childbirth having that one. So just, you know, as I said, tragic love stories. But apparently he was dad's favorite out of all of them. And unfortunately, he had the lack of wisdom at the ripe old age of 17 to tell his brothers about two dreams that he had had foretelling that someday they would all bow down to him. So some people that you hear tell about this story focus on the end of the story that, you know, all turns out great. While there are others who focus on how terrible he was in telling his brothers about his dream. And of course, many forget that none of us probably made the brightest choices at 17, which is approximately, I think, how old he was, somewhere in that area. I don't know if that's the age that he was when he told the dreams, or that's the age when everything really started happening. So I do remember at that age thinking that I was all that and incredibly smart. And I have progressively become less smart since then especially once I had my own teenagers, I really became less smart. <laughs> so long story, we'll shorten it up. His brothers took care of the herds and flocks for their dad. So one day dad sent him to check on them. Apparently he also was the one that would let dad know what the others were up to, you know, kind of like me in fifth grade until I realized that I would never have a friend in life if I kept on tattletailing to the teacher. So clearly they were very upset with him because when they saw him coming up the path or road or wherever it was that he was walking up, they made plans to kill him. So pretty extreme. Eventually, though, they decided to go ahead and throw him in a pit, which was suggested by one of the brothers who was going to try to save him later and send him back to dad. But when that brother was away from the group, the caravan of traders heading to Egypt passed by Interestingly, those traders would have been like distant, distant cousins even of this family. But anyway, that's a side story. And the others decided to sell him as a slave to them when that brother was away. So that's what they did. Fast forward, he was bought in Egypt by a prominent Egyptian and ultimately did very well, was put in charge of everything in that man's home, business, and so forth until one day. The man's wife decided that apparently she'd rather have him than her hubby and kind of kept on and kept on and finally got him into a position, according to the story, where she was able to grab his rope that he had on and he ran to get away. He had to leave his rope. And so then she used that as revenge for turning her down. Of course, told the whole story a completely different way. and. Joseph ended up in Pharaoh's prison. 
So there again, you know, kind of proving himself, God bless him, having other people find favor with him. He was put in charge of the prisoners, only second under the big, you know, the head of the prison. And ultimately, as you may or may not know, there were a couple of Pharaoh's uh, people that worked for him who had gotten thrown into prison for whatever reason. And they both had dreams on the same night. They couldn't figure them out. They were upset about it. And so they ended up telling Joseph what their dreams were. The first one was the Pharaoh's cupbearer. And basically his dream meant that he would be going back to his role as being a cupbearer for Pharaoh. And then the the baker was the other person and his dream was not so good. In three days, he would be killed. And uh, that's exactly what happened. So when everything went, Joseph said, please remember me. I'm in here for no reason of my own. Told a little bit of his backstory. And of course, they said they would then promptly forgot. Well, the one, of course, died, so he couldn't help. But the other one forgot until a couple of years later when the Pharaoh had some troubling dreams that no one in the country could figure out. None of his wise men, no one could help him interpret. And so then this cupbearer remembered, ooh, there was a man in prison who was able to interpret my dream and the dream of your baker. He might be able to help you. So they get him out, bring him in, and he prays, and God helps him see the what the dream means. And basically, here again, you may or may not know, there were going to be seven good years, and then after that, there were going to be seven horrible years of famine, and they needed to start preparing for it. So the Pharaoh decided that who else, who would be better to help than him? And basically, he put him in second in command of the country and started having him work on preparing the country for the famine. And so he went all over and and gathered a certain percentage of seed from people and put it in the king's storehouses, stored it all over all of Egypt. Um, And then ultimately down the road, when the famines hit, then he resold the seed to the people that they had given. And so it was very interesting the way all of that worked. He made a lot of money for the king. The king was quite happy with him, the pharaoh, and so forth. And then ultimately, as you may or may not know, sometime into the famine when the drought had become so terrible that no, it, you know, there were no crops anywhere and people were really hurting, Joseph's family, the brothers ended up coming to Egypt to see if they could get grain there. They had heard that there was grain. And so they came to buy. And after kind of a long story of how all of that worked, they did not initially, they did not recognize him. Eventually, after a lot of kind of testing and, you know, some just seeing what kind of people they were at this point and so forth, he ultimately ended up revealing that, yeah, he was their brother, the brother Joseph that they had sold, you know, and and of course, ended up then saving their lives. And what he was able to tell them is, okay, you know, don't be afraid, because even though you meant to harm me, God had prepared to save everyone's life. He, He did this. He put me here. But the question is, is if, if I'm remembering correctly, it was 12 years between the time that they sold him to the time all of this happened. And I may be off on my years, even with that, I'd have to go in and double check. But I believe the other day when I was looking at this is actually a story that we had for Vacation Bible School for the kids. And then I was also reading to my granddaughter as we because we like to read some of the different stories. And so that was one of the stories we were reading. 
And so I do believe it was 12 years. But if you think about it, that was those years, you know, he had the anger of his brothers. He had the pit that they threw him in. He had being sold into slavery and then put into prison for something that he didn't do. And then finally being elevated to the position that God had planned for him all along. But how did all of that feel? We can look back in hindsight and celebrate what God did and how he'd used all of this. But if we're in this situation ourselves, does it feel good? Do we know, oh, yay, we have something really good. This has been super hard. I've had a long time of really feeling devastated. So something good's coming. We may in our brain know that or think that or wonder that. But do we really, really understand the ramification of what he went through to get there? So, as I said, in hindsight, we love to tell the story. But do we love to have the same experiences in our own life? Hmm. It's a good question. So one year ago today, as you notice, the title is September 12th, one year later. One year ago today, I sat on a team meeting with a total of 60 participants, all being told that we were losing our job in our service line. My leadership, who was also losing theirs at the same time, it was not a complete surprise, but it was devastating. And the possibility of it had been looming over our heads for a month or more. Mere months after landing a role that was my dream position since I had gotten my degree, my master's in nursing informatics. It was the one position that I had wanted that whole time. (laughs) So I had been preparing for the just-in-case leading up to this, plans for moving forward, whether it was a new job somewhere here, contract work, figuring out survival. It was, of course, just a few years too soon for retirement. And then attempting to locate something that came anywhere close to our budget and our previous income. I must admit, looking back on it, I I see myself as that little mouse running around frantically in a maze, trying to locate the opening in the hedge. And then one month later, finishing up with no job insight that would actually pay the bills. Being very aware as I was applying for things at the end of the year budget for most corporations was right there. And so that would play a a role in availability for jobs at that point. And spending my time being divided between trying to locate a job replacement and also seeing what this new business venture could do for me because I had, in the months leading up, I had started a business that I I figured at the time would just be kind of something on the side that I would, you know, do kind of hobby level until retirement. But that, you know, knowing that you can't just rely on a brand new business easily to support you, you have to build that up. And then, of course, as as you most likely know, a month later after the actual last day of the job. So two months after learning that I was losing my job, two months, one day, total disaster hitting with the loss of my husband, which was the week of our 33rd wedding anniversary, as well as my birthday. 
And I will say it just almost completely swamped my boat in life. So this past year, during all of this pain, the upheaval, my new life, the strange paths, whatever you want to call it, I have really been working on learning a lot of lessons that I never thought I needed to learn. So one of the the title of this week's service was The Bad Things Happen to Good People. Last week's service was Bad Things Happen to Bad People. And they were talking about how, you know, how Joseph was bad, quote unquote, you know, being that young kid, doing things that he probably, he was probably a little bit, he may have been a bit arrogant. And I've looked at it because I thought, well, I wasn't a bad person. I'm not a bad person. I, why has this happened to me? And then, you know, sitting and listening to, well, bad, good, bad things happen to good people as well. Well, yeah. But it was interesting because even before the service on the way to church yesterday morning, we, I like to listen, we, we listened to one of the Christian radio stations and they were talking about how when we ignore people and just kind of take them for granted, how wrong that can be. And, and it hit me that some of the things that I had done that led up to this were thinking that I was the one in charge of my own career. I was smart. I was the one that went back to school. I was the one that had got the nursing degree, you know, and was a nurse by the age of 19 and built my career up and, and jumped through all the hoops, did all of the steps, got to the spaces that I wanted to be in in nursing, and then went on and got my master's and worked in clinical informatics, and then went on, you know, really focusing on project management and loved that thought, you know, and so forth. And finding work in what I thought was the best thing to do without even really realizing that everything that I had was dependent on God's blessings. Because really think about it. Anything that we have, this earth and our lives, every breath that we have, especially for those of us who really do believe that God is in charge and that God is the one that created us and that created these opportunities, being here on this earth is is thanks to God. And then thinking about the fact that I I was also pretty arrogant about finances. My husband was the one that worried more about the finances, that thought more about the finances, that worked on it more. I was more worried about getting the opportunity to get to go spend stuff when I worked full time so that I could go have fun and be rewarded for working full time. (laughs) And then realizing that I put way too much focus on what I wanted to do rather than necessarily spending quality time with someone that I loved that I would give almost anything to have here now to go spend that time with. There were a lot of times he would like to sit in the bedroom and, you know, where it was quieter and kind of away from the chaos. Because of course, you know, at times are chaos when you've got a lot going on in a house. And I didn't want to do that. That was boring. Well, now, yeah, guess where I go to have times out when I need it. And, you know, he'd want to go over, like I said, the budget, focusing on that. What could we do? And I didn't want to do that. And so here I am, 
I don't have any of that. And I've been working on putting this business together. By the time that jobs started kind of coming through, I was eyeball deep in the business, had already invested in stuff, couldn't really afford to step away from that and lose the investments, but knew that I couldn't, first of all, early on, couldn't juggle with the, you know, the loss and the emotional toll that it took on took on me. I could not even begin to think about worrying about a new role, learning new stuff, trying to get going. And then by the time where emotionally I could probably do it, was very deep into the business. And then it was like, well, I don't want to throw away what I've done already. And now I'm still here in this space where I've been, you know, step-by-step learning and growing and learning to rely on God and help every minute of every day. Learning to be kind of humble and not arrogant about any of this. And it's been just quite the year. So I've also realized that there's a lot of positives that have come out of this year. It's not all just, okay, I am so sorry. There's there's good things that have come out of it. I've been learning new skills. I've learned so much about the whole all the whole pieces to putting together an online business. I've developed friendships that that I probably would have never had before with people and just huge lessons. I feel like I'm closer to God. I'm more reliant on knowing and really, really, truly knowing that every step, every breath, everything comes from him and that he will guide me. I've become a person that has really been working on trying to not always be telling God what I wanted and then stopping, instead stopping and listening to, okay, what do you want? Is this something that you want? Should I wait? I don't like waiting. I've never liked waiting. So learning that. Okay, step back, wait, listen, what should I do? You know, I've been, I I took care of people basically from, you know, I graduated from nursing school at 19. And so I did some sort of version of caring for whether it was ill or helping deliver babies or whatever, some sort of version of healthcare for a long time. And now throughout this process, it's interesting because when I first started, had a different vision of where I was headed. And now as the pieces are coming together, I really do feel like I'm being directed down a path of helping people learn about their bodies, learn about preventing illness that a lot of times is the result of things like, you know, like food addiction and poor food choices that we don't even know about because all of that food science is starting to emerge now. So still being on the that in a role of caring, but in a whole completely different way, more of a prevention type of thing. And, you know, learning to try to listen more, learning to try to be kind when others don't see things the way that I do and, you know, don't have any desire to hide that fact. Um, 
but and really trying to appreciate what I do have no matter what. So one year in to September 12th, and we'll see what this year brings. I am hoping one of the things that I have been really counting on is that, yes, a person goes through hard times. I, I use analogy so much and imagery so much. And I think a lot about for any of you that are familiar with like any of the New Testament stories in Jesus, you know, Jesus in the storm where he calms the storm and and other things like that. Other stories of deliverance. The Psalms, reading a lot of the Psalms, deliverance. And deliverance did happen. And I've talked about that before, the how when we're in the middle of the mess, sometimes it seems like you're just never going to get out of the mess. And I found it interesting that part of his discussion was talking about the mess. And I thought, oh, okay, there we go. Same thing, you know, kind of that same analogy is the mess. He also talked about the story of Job, which has become something that I've read a lot of. And all of it ultimately ended up with being restored. and. Being taken through those tough times, but taken through and not left in. And so, you know, it's a theme that I've had in the past that somewhere, sometime, this mess will go on and we'll move on to other parts in life. And I feel like obviously we're closer, but today I just kind of wanted to share the hope that I have, the lessons that I've learned, and also encouragement for you that if you find yourself in the same place, Thinking that you've got it made, you have it figured out, you are in a good job, or everything is going well in life. I'm not saying that you need to wait until things aren't, but I am saying be grateful. Tell the family around you that you love them. Let them know, even if sometimes you find them irritating. Take time to stop and listen. Take time and stop to really Count your blessings and thank God for what you have. And really understand that every day is a blessing that we have. And so I'm going to leave you with that today. I hope that this has blessed you and encouraged you. And we will see over this next leg of this journey where I go from here and where all you go from here as well. Get a hold of me and let me know your thoughts. Or if you have any questions or once again, as always, if you would like to be on this podcast with me and have anything you'd like to share. We'll talk later.